What? To another episode of the podcast. Appreciate all the guys who tuned in last week, breaking down UFC 284. And boy, was UFC 284 everything and more. That was just about as good as that card could have gone. That main card, every single fight on there was absolutely fantastic. He had everything you could have wished for. So let's go ahead and break down all the action, guys. That first fight on the main card to kick off the night, Jimmy Crew versus Alonzo Alonzo Menafield. Boy, oh boy, did those two gentlemen come out swinging for the fences. Absolute... I don't, I don't know how you could have called that first round. I don't really remember what happened. I was drinking a little bit, as per usual, which isn't great when you got to break down the fight card. But um, had a little bit of controversy. Fight ended in a in a draw. Um, that fence grab Alonzo Menafield had, I believe that was in the s- second round. I can't remember if it was the second round or the third round uh, that uh, cost him a point. And I don't like the fence grab, right? Okay. I don't like it. A lot of people say you should take a point in that situation, which which you could definitely argue for. But when you see a blatant fe- fence grab uh, like he did in that fight, I, th- I think the better, the better thing to do, in my opinion, instead of just taking a point, would to be give Jimmy the position. Because that would... Because what he didn't, Jimmy didn't really do much on the ground from that point, so that that probably really didn't cost him the round. But I think that ended up being a ten eight round. I think he would have lost anyway. But um, yeah, I think what they should do in that situation is just give him the takedown and start it from there. Kind of like when guys like say you know hit someone in the ball, they get hit in the balls that they have the dominant position. They break them, they let them rest, and then they give them that dominant position back. I think that would be a lot better way to. Uh, to hand, excuse me. To handle that, in my opinion, would be to just give just give him the position. But I I do like that they did something. I do like that they took a point at the very least. Because I, I some of those fence grabs, man, like that one, they it, it completely nullifies the takedown, and something's got to be done. But ended up in a draw. Oh well, that was a crazy fight. Both those guys' stock goes up, and geez, man, how big is Alonzo Menafield. That dude's fucking huge. How on earth does that guy make a make a, what do they fight at, 185? No, they fight at 205. He looks about 230 when he's in the octagon. That dude's massive. No, he fights at, he does fight at 85, doesn't he? Fuck, that dude looks huge. But great fight, and what a way to kick off that card. Right after that one, we had Justin Taffa versus Parker Porter. And I got to be honest with you. I thought Parker Porter would uh, put up a little bit better of a fight. We talked last week about how Taffa had a little bit of a rough start to his UFC career. But he really had picked it up after that. Started out 1-3 and three in the UFC and is, I believe, now on a three-fight win streak. Just an absolutely picture-perfect punch. Landed on the chin. Face down, fight's over. I think it was like a minute and a half into the fight, but Justin Taffa has what I call, you know, what Mark Hunt had. A very Mark Hunt-esque, that uh, just one-shot power. It's crazy watching how hard that dude hits, those those Samoan guys. 
But yeah, I thought I thought Porter would have put up a little bit more of a battle. Uh, he's been t- he's been a tough opponent. He hasn't been an easy night at the office really for anybody. He's done pretty well uh, in the UFC. So maybe j- it seems like Justin Taffa is just improving his game, and you love to see it. I love any well, any any big old uh, New Zealand fuck. I <laughs> I love watching fights. So I'm glad he's I'm glad he's doing well. Then we got uh, right after that. I mean, all these fights were crazy. We had Jack Della Maddalena versus Randy Brown. Um, I thought Brown would present some difficult striking challenges uh, against Della Maddalena. Jack isn't, you know, a super. He's a, he's a good striker, but he's not super flashy. A, very, a lot more technical and methodic with his punches. And uh, it, it, it kind of looked like he was going to have a tough time there at the beginning of that first round. Randy was moving around a lot, using his distance. He has, a, I think he's like 6'3 or something at 170 pounds. The dude has had the biggest reach advantage. Because Jack's not a small guy, but he doesn't have those long limbs like uh, Randy Brown does. But I thought he would, and he and he was he was dancing around him, doing well. Like I said, using that reach, but Jack just landed that beautiful overhand right hand, put him on ice skates, absolute ice skates. I thought the fight was going to be finished um, right right then, right there. I thought he was going to finish him with punches, but showed off the beautiful groundwork, got the guillotine. Uh, was it a guillotine? Was it a rear naked choke? I can't remember. Got the choke though. Finished the fight in the first round. I'm telling you, man, this Jack Della De Maddalena guy is no joke. I was saying that after his last fight, and people were like, oh, you fucking stupid. You won five. I'm, I'm telling you, man, this dude this dude could be special. He's got four fights in the UFC. All four are first-round finishes. Three of them are knockouts. What else? What else? What else more do you want me to say? Um, but, yeah, absolute, absolutely incredible. Incredible stuff by by that man. All the Australians, man, really did well. They fared well other than, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Volkanovski later. But the Australians did pretty good on this fight card. But that brings us to the co-main event. It happened quick. I think they were like an hour and 15 minutes. I mean, there was uh, a decision and two first-round finishes. They were like an hour and 15 minutes, hour and 20 minutes into the fight. Uh, the fight, the, uh, oh, my God, I can't talk. The main event, main card, main card. Jesus Christ, dude. Got ADHD brain. My mind goes a million miles a minute. Can't put words together properly. But uh, Josh Emmett versus uh, Yair Rodriguez for the featherweight championship of the world. And both started off pretty strong. Rodriguez looked like there for a minute. He was just going to absolutely run away with it. But that big power of Josh Emmett landed a big overhand right. Big right hand. Put him down. Finished the round on top. Um, But during that first round, he saw... Rodriguez presenting that problem with that uh, left body kick landed a really big one. I think about a minute and a half into the fight, that really hurt Emmett. Didn't he? Didn't show it, but he was kind of he was kind of leaning over. Didn't want to fall. I mean, that would have put ninety nine percent of people on this earth to the ground. How hard he hit him with that, and he kept going to the body with that, which was which was really nice to see. But uh, anyway, yeah, Emmett had him hurt there at the end of the round, and. After that, though, the, he just kept trying to look for that, and it put him in a bad position. He ended up getting back on top with a takedown, and Yair, man, he's looking very well-rounded. He got him in that triangle choke, finished the fight. He was even throwing elbows from the bottom um, at the end of that first round. But, yeah, 
This is a very, very, very tricky matchup at 145 pounds for the champ Alexander Volkanovsky. His length, his um, just his. How do you describe it? His like his creativity on the feet. He was throwing his hands after throwing kicks, which if you don't know, a lot of the time you use your hands to set up the kicks. Because if if you don't, if you throw kicks and then lead with the hands, it leaves you open for counter shots. Not with this guy. This guy was so slick with his movement. He can he he was able to do that, and that was fun to see. So I am super super excited to see him and Alexander Volkanovsky just going at it, going to town. Should be a fun fight. And speaking of the champ, Alexander Volkanovsky, we had. A crazy main event. Alexander Volkanovsky versus Islam Makachev. Boy, oh boy. Everyone that said that Volk had no chance. That he was just going to get taken down and smashed. And hey, I'm one. I didn't think he was going to get smashed. But I thought if... uh, I kind of thought like how the first round played out was kind of how the whole fight would have gone out and and Makachev would have submitted him in the second round. Um, But how Islam was kind of playing, was kind of playing on the feet, seeing what he could do, and Volk caught him early in that first round, and then he kept doing it. He, he, he kept playing with Volk on the feet and then eventually took him down, got his back with like a minute over a minute, almost two minutes left in the first round and just didn't let Volk up. I was like, that's not good. That is not a good sign for for the champ. Not a good sign. Not a good sign at all. Second round comes out. Whole different fight. I thought Volk won that second round. I thought Volk won that third round. And I didn't damn well know Volk won that fifth round. I got to go back and watch it. Uh it was such a, it was such a close fight when you're drinking and having fun and trying to watch a fight. It's it's a t- it's tough one to call. I think if I go back and watch it, a lot of people that went back and watched it were like, "Yeah, I've, I, th- I thought Islam was up three rounds to three rounds to two. And I think the people screaming robbery after the fight. I don't think it was a robbery. I think what happens is when you have such a crazy fight like that, when you have a big underdog, a guy. Moving up and moving up in weight classes is much smaller in stature versus a guy who is was considered the boogeyman of the division, and that's why he got a title shot because no one would fight him. No one in the top fifteen would fight him, and you know he wins the title over Charles Oliveira and fights this guy, and he's the underdog, and he performed ten times better than everyone thought he did. I. And went to a decision, a close. To, a, it was a close fight, but goes to decision. I think what happens is because he overperformed and fought a close fight that he definitely won. Oh, he definitely won because he overperformed. Eh. But you take the emotions out of it. Maybe you go back and watch it with the sound off, so you don't get that Australian crowd overreacting to everything big that he does. I think the fight plays out a little bit differently. Not a lot differently, but a little bit differently if you look at it with objective eyes. Either way, 
both the uh, Alexander Volkanovsky stock goes up. And I think after watching that fight, I don't know if they do an immediate rematch. They probably don't. I don't think Volk wants to hold up the division anymore, especially since they just had, you know, I think this next fight's going to be going to be Yair for sure. But they could easily do a rematch for that fight. And Volk's stock goes up. Islam's doesn't go down, but it doesn't go up. That's why you see Volk still remaining at number one uh, overall pound for pound. And I think rightfully so. Islam didn't really do anything otherwise that could prove that proved he was so much better than Alexander Volkanovsky. But I'm excited for whoever they put. I, I'm 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 curious to see who Makachev is going to match up with next. I know Benil Dariush and uh, Charles Oliveira are supposed to fight. I don't know the I can't remember the date for that fight. But maybe the winner of that fights um, fights for the title. I th- I think so. That ma- that would make sense because Dariush is, I believe, on a nine fight win streak, and then Charles Oliveira just lost the title. So I think the winner of that fight makes sense to fight for the title. Where maybe Makachev goes up to one seventy and fights, uh, you know, an in between fight fights a uh, Colby Covington. That's a, that's what I want to see. That's not going to happen, but that's what I want to see. I'm just I'm just trying to stir the pot. <laughs> But, yeah, that was an absolutely incredible, incredible weekend of fights. Nothing more you could ask for. This weekend, though, we got some we got some interesting fights. We got Jim, Jim Miller versus uh, Alexander Hernandez. And then the main event, uh, Jessica Andrade and Aaron Blanchfield. I can't remember who Blanchfield was originally supposed to fight. Talia, I think it was Talia Santos. But this fight intrigues me even more because Andrade has been on a tear since she lost to Shevchenko for the title. Andrade just has this uncanny ability of power. Like, I, you don't see at that weight class. I think, I mean, you could, you could easily argue that she has more power than Amanda Nunes. I'd like to see them hit the, I mean, obviously, maybe it's just because she's little and it just looks crazier coming from her, which is probably the case. But I'd like to see them hit that thing and Francis Ngannou hits to see how hard they both hit. Because Andrade hits like a Mack truck. The fact that she did not get Lauren Murphy out of there is insane. How tough is Lauren Murphy? Because Andrade hit her with everything but quite literally the kitchen sink and she didn't go down. But, um... She prevents some difficult challenges to Aaron Blanchfield, and I think this this fight's even more intriguing, in my opinion, because arguably whoever wins this fight could fight for the title next. Uh, but Blanchfield's wrestling ability and just her her eye for submissions could be what what could trouble Jessica Andrade. But Andrade is so powerful; she's a legit black belt. And she's very good on the ground. I mean, she's got the only standing arm triangle. In, in UFC history and I don't I don't think because I think Blanchfield overwhelms girls with how like grappling strong she is and I don't think she's going to be able to do that to Andrade but a very very interesting fight I'm not going to predict a winner it's probably close to a pick em fight but should be a fun fun little weekend of fights you know after that crazy crazy weekend who else is fighting on that card there's some interesting ones Let's see. Yeah, huh. Not really. William Knight versus Martian Petrinko. Pushino? I can't pronounce names, but... Huh. I guess nothing too crazy, but... That Alexander uh, 
Hernandez and Jim Miller fight's really interesting. And Jim Miller, at, well, how old is he? Close to 40. He's been, he has the most fights in the UFC history. Dude's still winning. <laughs> I think Jim Miller's like, let's see. He's on, he's on a little win streak, Jim Miller is. Apologize for the delay. Let's see, Jim Miller. Fuck, dude, he's on a four, three fight win streak, two knockouts and one submission. That's insane for a dude that has. Is thirty nine and has how many fights is that? Fifty one fights, thirty five and sixteen. <laughs> that is fucking crazy. Remember, he was on Rogan's podcast and he was saying he wants to, he wants because he fought at UFC one hundred. And he wants, and he fought at UFC 200, and he wants to fight at UFC 300. And I don't see why not. The guy's on a three-fight win streak, and so very, very interesting to see how that fight versus Alexander Hernandez is going to go. All right, let's get to some interesting fight matchups that we have coming up. Not quite UFC matchups, but a couple UFC vets, uh, Jose Aldo and Jeremy Stevens, are fighting in a boxing match. Interesting. Jeremy Stevens went over to the PFL, didn't didn't do so well. Uh, but Jose Aldo retired from MMA, had a boxing match last weekend, and looked pretty good, throwing bombs. Fought a decent guy too. I think the guy was like six and seven. I mean, not like good, but still had like a boxing record. And that should that should be interesting. They both fought back, I think, 2018, 2019. Uh, I think that was started the skid for Jeremy Stevens, but that'll be interesting. And then one. I didn't even think would be possible. Ladies and gentlemen, Anthony Showtime Pettis is fighting a boxing match versus Roy Jones Jr. What the fuck? That's not a great idea, I don't think, for either gentleman. Either either Jones Jr. is going to get knocked out because he's old, or Pettis is just not going to be able to hit Roy. <laughs> He's just not going to be able to hit him. That could very, very well be the case. Uh, but I don't know if y'all have seen Anthony Pettis recently, but he looks like he's doing great outside of that USADA testing pool, baby. <laughs> Dude is fucking huge. He took him and Sergio had a picture with each other. And Anthony looks like he's been nothing, doing nothing but hitting West Side Barbell every day and just getting yoked. He looks fantastic, man. <laughs> he's fucking jacked. Crazy, crazy stuff. What other kind of fight news we got going on here? There's a whole lot going on after last weekend. Let's find out. Let's go. Let's go look at MMA news. But, yeah, dude, last weekend's fights were absolutely insane. Eh. I don't know, not much. Just gonna draw Jeremy Blanchfield. Oh, Anthony Smith versus Johnny Walker. That got announced. That should be interesting. Lightweight main event. No. Uh, oh, May thirteenth. That's pretty soon. That's a good. That's a great fight. That is a great fight. And then we obviously we got Conor McGregor coaching the Ultimate Fighter versus uh, uh, Michael Chandler. Oh, I forget about this one. April 8th. That's UFC 287. Michael Chiesa versus Lee Jangleon. That's a great fight. That's a great matchup. 
That is a great matchup. Yeah, it looks like that's really... Oh, I forgot this one is soon, too. Marlon Vera versus Corey Sandhagen. I cannot wait for that one. That's going to be a fun one. Anyway, that's all I got for you guys today. Uh, like always, I really appreciate everybody tuning in. I love doing these. I got no one to talk about fights with. <laughs> so all my friends moved away. So I appreciate you, uh, the six of you, or 10, 20 of you that tune in every once in a while. Um, but thanks so much, guys. We'll be back next week. We'll break down the faction from last week, and we'll talk about John Jones versus Cyril Gaon as well. So have a good one, guys. Thank you.